This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm Akansha Kumar and today we have with us Srishti Jaiswal, whose recent investigation along with Sri Girish Jalihal on the functioning of Hindu IT cell exposes how an online army of trolls has taken the law into their own hands. Hi, Srishti. Hi, Akanksha. Thank you for having me. And we have with us News Laundry correspondent Nidhi Suresh, who was in Hathras, where the father of a 25-year-old survivor who had filed a molestation case in 2018 was shot dead by the accused. Hi, Nidhi. Hi, Akanksha. Are you back in Delhi? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking it's such a dark way to uh, <laughs> enter a podcast. But yeah, I'm back in Delhi, back last night. Okay, so we'll talk about that dark story in a while. Dear listeners, as you know, News Laundry is a 100% ad-free news platform and we need your support to stay afloat. So please subscribe to us and pay to keep news free. Go to www.newslaundry.com slash subscription and click on the subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. Now coming to the story, uh, which went viral ever since uh, it was published, Inside the Hindu IT Cell, The Men Who Went Online to Protect Gods uh, by Srishti and Girish, who spent six months trying to find out how a vigilante group that calls itself the Hindu IT Cell It goes around identifying targets, trolls them online, which is even followed by complaints and FIRs against victims. That includes journalists, activists, comedians and lawyers. Srishti herself was targeted by the group in July last year for one of her tweets. And during the course of her investigation, an FIR has been filed against her in Gurugram. So Srishti, tell us what exactly is the Hindu IT cell? and why their vigilantism should concern all of us. Um, So Akanksha, uh, as you rightly mentioned, that I was also one of the people who was trolled uh, by this one IT cell. Um, So what this IT cell do is that they are constantly on hunt on the internet looking for the people who say something that they perceive as Hindu phobic or anti-Hindu. It's not something that is actually, there's no definition of what's pro-Hindu, what's anti-Hindu, but what they perceive as something which does not sit well with them. So what they do is once they spot that one particular uh, person, tweet, in whatever platform, it's sometimes it's on Facebook, Instagram, or even Twitter, at times on Telegram, or even on WhatsApp chats. So they would take screenshot of that particular thing. They would then decide that what is the legal base of it and if they can you know, target this one particular thing, how prominent is the author or the person who has written this thing. And uh, then they take a call that if they want to go ahead and target it. For the smaller accounts with not much following or the people who are not known, they the founders, they said that they reported to Twitter, but otherwise for people who are, uh, you know, in their language, left-leaning, or uh, in their language, like, who don't subscribe to their ideology, they take their uh, cause and then they invite volunteers to file online cyber complaints against them. So, in a way, uh, whatever they do does not really 
uh, it's well within the law and it doesn't appears like something which is illegal but this targeting in turn activates and host a very toxic wave of trolling and uh, these people they don't even condemn trolling so when we ask them specifically that their targets eventually get trolled very heavily they said that you know it's because of their own doing so they don't even take the uh, responsibility of the toxic trolling which happens so um, while i was being trolled at that time um, you know i got to know about this one particular it cell because every other troll was somehow related to this one uh epicenter of trolling and uh, at that time you know because the trolls were so specifically giving me rape and death threats you know they were telling me asking me for my address they were you know sending messages to me and it it, it was very direct and very intimidating so fearing threat to my life my lawyers suggested that i should file a complaint in the local police station um seeking security at that time they asked me to compile a list of such trolls who are giving me direct uh, threats and intimidations all these trolls were related to hindu it cell then i found out that hindu it cell was the one cell that actually flagged my tweet so i did not have many followers you know i was just a city reporter used to report on very local uh, issues on education so there was not much follower you know mm. i was there was no way that i could gain a lot of traction on twitter so i found out that i was flagged by this one it said and while this was ongoing with me at the same time they flagged couple of other people also one of the journalists i've mentioned he refused to come on record fearing again another scrutiny he is a dalit journalist who speaks more about dalit issue so he was flagged at that time there was another uh, agrima joshua was flagged at that time and couple of other people so i was just noticing all these pattern while uh, you know staying anonymous and you know because i was not able to use uh, social media at that time it was so toxic but i was noticing all of that and that time i noticed a trend you know that it's not something that they are really offended by something that they perceive but it's a whole systematic thing that they invite volunteers to file the complaints and they give those volunteers shout out that you know these are the warriors who have filed the complaints then the person whosoever was trolled or whosoever was targeted they eventually end up losing their job they are jailed and at times beaten up at times there are vigilante groups which are against them so all of it just converts into an offline harassment and we never know under what circumstances that particular person has said so because there is no uh, you know back, there's no ground given to the person to clarify there are no words that they, the other person can say about that um all of it just boils down to this one thing that how systematic this everything goes they have their core team there are rules for joining this one it cell uh, so as a journalist at that time when i was noticing all of this so i was very curious that you know something like this is happening so that is why i started observing this particular cell and how many volunteers uh, do they have uh, and how do they identify their target because like one journalist who posted this video about uh, you know women uh, performing a fast on teej mm-hmm. uh, like 
honestly i am also there on instagram um, and i keep on checking instagram like quite a number of times through the day but like her video would didn't even pop up on my timeline so unless and until like you file this story i didn't even know that you know a journalist uh, called sushmita sinha was harassed so badly so how is this network operating actually so they have a core team of some 11 members they are the one who take all the decisions then they have the volunteer base so currently what they told us their volunteer base is around 300 volunteers but beyond the volunteers there are flaggers everywhere so all these right wing organizations uh, bajrang dal vishwa hindu parishad and couple of other organizations they all are interconnected so whosoever is in their right wing ecosystem uh, they would flag so even if we uh, look for a you know volunteer base on the telegram channel it's in thousands so anybody on the internet could be following sushmita sena and they would have flagged it so what sushmita told me that there was this one person who was affiliated with the right wing organization he flagged and tagged this one it cell in an instagram post in an instagram story from there uh, within two days her video was flagged and in a specific way you know it's a Uh, i think it's a video uh, of of certain few minutes and only a few seconds of it was flagged which was perceived to be offensive and without giving the complete context of the story or complete context of the video only that particular section was flagged that actually appears offensive so that you know the sentiment of the people can actually be captured with that thing uh, without taking the entire context of the thing so the to answer your question so they have a lot of uh, people online available on internet on all the social media platforms who act as flaggers for them they come and they tag them and then the team takes a call and if they find that yes they want to target this person then they ask their volunteers some 300 volunteers to file online complaints so the online complaints are filed in multiple states um in uh, this this one portal by um, home ministry cyber cell portal over there they go and file the complaints even the core team which has certain lawyers they file they also write the uh, entire uh, you know what should they write in the complaint what what should be the content of the complaint so that it just gets uh, converted into an fir so there is hand holding till the time eventually an fir is not registered um, just to add even there are certain cases when the fir is not registered for example in sushmita sinha's case so delhi police refused to re- register an fir because um, to register an fir there should be the ingredients in the crime for example 295a so um, in 295a there should be a class of people who should be hurt by the malicious intent of uh, outraging the religious feelings of someone so very important part is the class of people you know the entire hindu class should be offended second important part is that uh, the uh, malicious intent should be there that you know somebody who uh, wanted desperately to hurt somebody's feeling so at time when police investigate and they see that this was not something which was done um, maliciously or this was not something which was done deliberately it was just uh, you know misconstrued uh, and taken out of context things so at times the F- uh, the legal uh, standing of the complaint is not there but these people they don't 
leave it there so in the sushmita sena case um, they also went and asked the sho to file the complaint still sho said that i don't want to file then they approached the saket court in the saket court uh, you know the court asked the police to uh, give action taken report and even in the action taken report they said that no cases made against sushmita sena but they again challenged it so you see that the kind of uh, they they start from searching the person till the time that they don't go to the jail in an interview to us um, the founders of the cell they also mentioned that they don't care what judiciary would do eventually with these people but they just want these people behind the bars even if these people have to take a bail or something like that they just want to teach them lesson and they don't care if there is a legal standing or not uh, who actually are uh, you know Uh, these founders the men that you have interviewed ramesh solanki and vikas pandey uh, what actually drives them and like why are they so motivated by a rabid form of hindutva and believe in this kind of online surveillance because uh, like to share my experience of meeting a similar such group in lucknow 2 3 months ago while uh, we were working on our nl sena series on love jihad there is this group called akhil bharat hindu mahasabha and they were the ones uh, which uh, stalled uh, like an interfaith marriage in lucknow um, after the ordinance was uh, passed in november and uh, you know beyond their uh, you know echo chamber uh, where they believe that an interfaith marriage will result in more uh, sort of uh, kids who are uh, you know muslim and therefore the population of muslims will increase a common strand also was that all some, most of their staff was at one point associated were employees of like the sahara group and now they were unemployed they were they they were so real estate was their side business but now it's this hindutva which you know drives them 24/7 so who are uh, ramesh solanki and vikas pande uh, like what kind of persons are they akanksha so one of the very uh, important things that i want to mention that the interview of ramesh solanki and uh, vikas pande was taken by my colleague and uh, co-author at this piece shri girish jalihal so he was not able to join us today because of his personal engagements but uh, the story would not have been po- uh, possible without him because since i was myself targeted by this one it cell it was very risky for me to go and interview these people and uh, they would not be uh, as frank as they were with girish and uh, so he was the one who actually took their interview it was a zoom interview that we scheduled and uh, in that zoom interview um, what i could grasp out of that was um, that these people are actually politically motivated to do so both of them are very closely linked with bhartiya janata party um uh, mr sulanki was previously associated with shiv sena however when shiv sena joined hands with uh, B, uh, with congress to form a government in maharashtra so he left shiv sena uh, mm-hmm. because he felt that the cause of hindutva was more important than the political inclination and uh, then so far we have seen he is very close with uh, kapil mishra and who is himself uh, you know facing allegations of hate speech uh, then uh, mr vikas pande himself has been leading and is one of the most prominent um, face of the bjp it cell he was also uh, running he was also behind the campaign uh, in the 
you know how would you prove the intention of the person that he did so in a deliberate and mal malicious intention but even without proving that just on a basis of an allegation the person can be arrested because the under these uh, both of the sections you don't need any warrant for arrest you don't need to approach the court for asking for a warrant so police can come any day and they arrest the person that is why the people have to run to supreme courts for actually um, seeking uh, liberty for actually securing their liberty that is why people go for anticipatory bail because once you are inside the jail it's a non bailable offense although it's punishable by only 3 years which is not much however despite that you know there is such a strong reaction to this and that is where the abuse of the law lies that police just bases just if i say that tomorrow akanksha had hurt my feelings saying that you know she uh, said something against my religion or something like that police can arrest you on basis of that you know they won't how will they investigate this thing that there was a deliberate and malicious intention intention the the proof of intention is a difficult proof you know you can't just prove it just like that you have to have certain things but even without that proof just on a basis of allegation you can be arrested that is why these are called the blasphemy laws that is why it is difficult so uh, in 1957 as you rightly mentioned that uh, the courts uh, actually upheld this indian version of blasphemy law so uh, now as Uh, mr bhartia rightly outlines that it's very difficult to actually get a review in this case because review will be done by a seven judge bench and the seven judge bench uh, can only be constituted before it's validated by five judge bench and that's a very 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 difficult and time taking process um maybe we can also link the uh, article that was written by mr bhartia for our readers as well as the listeners so that they can themselves uh, understand this entire concept and i think uh, what makes it worse is that uh, in the name of uh, you know this program uh, by the ministry of home affairs uh, where they are seeking volunteers for cyber crime the government is also legitimizing their actions i think because uh, another story which uh, vijayata singh has filed for the hindu today uh, it has uh, given outlines of this uh, indian cyber crime coordination center scheme which was launched by union home minister amit shah in january 2020 and even two years before the program was launched in uh, 2018 uh, some 400 crores was allocated and now they are actually encouraging people to be these on online vigilante uh, who can go about uh, you know uh, creating uh, ruckus in anyone's life so uh, even as internet freedom foundation has approached uh, ministry of home affairs um, is there anything uh, else that can be done uh, to curb such instances of cyber bullying uh like you have also spoken to uh the victims of online trolling uh who had tweeted or posted on facebook after pulwama attack their lives have changed so is there any sort of hope for people who, so that they are not targeted by these uh, online trolls i think over here um i don't really have an answer i'm so sorry because somehow this is actually uh, harbored by the state 
uh, as you very rightly mentioned that uh, the home ministry uh, had invited cyber crime volunteers for flagging the unlawful content like terrorism radicalization anti national activities and these people the hindu it cell also reports it uh, reports these things to uh, national cyber crime reporting portal and in fact uh, the home ministry had also written to all the states saying that uh, the, uh, there should be conversion of these complaints into an fir so um, overall uh, one thing that i really want to say is that unless the state steps up and actually secures the liberty of its citizen nothing much can be done in this particular thing and uh, so it's it's the onus of the state or maybe the judiciary if judiciary takes an action on this and they actually step up and secure the liberty of the citizens um otherwise i think uh, the story itself says that how everything is interlinked and how the uh, home ministry itself is actually asking for such things especially i think the pilot program has also started in the conflict zone of india including northeast and kashmir um so um, we really need to understand that uh, the story also touches the domain of privacy the story also touches the domain of um, individual security and liberty along with the freedom of speech so um, if they that somehow answers your query thank you srishti for sharing your uh, story with us more might to your pen and uh, look forward to more stories from your side uh, moving on to our next story in september last year gang rape of a 19 year old dalit girl had sent shock waves across the country as the role of up police was questioned for the delay in filing an fir in the case the incident happened in bulgari village in hathras the very district hathras is in news yet again as the father of a survivor was shot dead by the accused against whom she had filed a molestation complaint in 2018 the incident happened in sasni village as the victim's family demands justice the question is whether uttar pradesh led by chief minister adityanath is safe for women anymore so nidhi you were in hathras Firstly I just want to know what is the latest update I think only one arrests have been made by the police uh, have they been able to track other accused as well no not so far as of now uh, as of this morning we saw the superintendent of police uh, saying that he's announced a 25000 rupee reward uh, for two of the accused uh, nikhil sharma and one more um and the main accused gorav sharma they've announced a reward of 1 lakh if someone can give them information about his whereabouts so at the moment only lalit sharma has been arrested and the police have said that they have detained six others whose names they can't reveal yet because they're still undergoing questioning uh so yeah that's the update regarding the arrest so far and as uh, it often happens uh, that whenever uh, you know the sexual assault of a woman makes it to headlines the case is often politicized in this country and in this particular case uh, also it has become sp versus bjp uh, because the main accused gorav sharma there are photos of him with akhilesh yadav uh invite uh, as a, he invites people for a kisan mahapanchayat and there are photos of him with the bjp mp from aligarh as well so uh could you tell us about the political influence of this guy and how he was using it 
to build pressure on the victim uh, to take the case back and uh, was uh, you know probably also uh, what i read in news reports was pressurizing her to befriend him so i mean i read the indian express article today and it was headlined sp versus bjp to be honest when parikshit and i were there they did speak about his political connections and the fact that you know sometimes he would boast about being part of political circles but it wasn't just the focus of that now i think to make it more newsworthy that angle has been brought out and of course on twitter bjp mps have started saying that you know beware of red cap uh soldiers or red cap people which is the cap worn by the samajwadi party members um we spoke to and we also quote in our text piece we spoke to the spokesperson of samajwadi party juhi singh and she has officially confirmed that she's been looking at records since 2017 and gorav sharma is not a party member he's not an office bearer he's not part of any youth wing uh, with samajwadi party and she said that if someone decides to make a poster and uh, use um uh samajwadi party's name in it we can't really stop them and if that's what bjp is going to try and use to malign us then we have a lot of pictures to show them as well uh so i feel the story here is the case of the fact that there was a father who was willing to stand up for his girls who was willing to not be threatened and revoke a case of sexual assault against his daughter uh i mean a sexual assault of his daughter and uh, and the price he paid for that was literally his life uh because this this was not done in a fit of rage uh he was uh, gorav was in fact continuously threatening the family uh and he withstood all of that and he decided and and i remember something that uh, one of the villagers told uh, uh, parikshit and me when we were walking that he's a good man and he uh, chose to educate his daughters and he was uh fighting for his daughters and and this is sort of what happened to him so yeah while the political link is there with gorav sharma now samajwadi party has disowned him uh, they've said that he was never part of our organization never part of the party uh bjp continues their smear campaign but the story i hear, feel is that here is that um, the story of this father who stood up for his daughter and uh, also like how is the uh, victims family coping up because uh, it was uh, one of the videos of uh, the victim herself uh, you know recounting the incident and how her father was shot thrice and she breaks down as you know uh, her reaction is recorded on camera by local reporters um so how is the family uh, coping up uh, you met the family uh, w- what was it like i mean of course it was devastating um i'm just going to call the victim as nisha for convenience sake uh, this is the just this is not her real name uh, but yeah we met nisha yesterday um we were actually going to hathras to meet the family of the uh, hathras gang rape and murder victim that happened in september 2020 and in fact it's ironic because on our way we heard about a case of another minor girl in a leaguer who'd be whose body had been found in the field and the family was alleging sexual assault just as we finished our work with the uh, the family we were meeting um which was uh, the family of the gang rape victim uh, we heard about this story and uh, we all know how hathras has been in the news and akansha you also know we both went there and you know the situation there and what kind of a place it is and when we heard about this case we decided to make our way to their village and uh, we also saw the very emotional appeal that nisha had made at the police station when she'd gone to file the fir 
when we went there they were actually the body of the father was still there his name is amresh sharma and he was uh, the body was still there and uh, they were waiting for another relative uh, to come home so they they hadn't conducted the cremation yet so we met the family at that point of time and um i mean these are the moments when sometimes i guess as journalist it feels a little awkward to almost go in and ask them to sort of narrate what happened because they're already in a terrible state of mind uh but we do it for the sake of documentation and so when we sat down nisha also really wanted to talk because she said that i want the media to know and i want them to know the story and she said that no self respecting woman will ever stand up for herself if these people are not caught and if they're not punished um because what happened literally was in 2018 she narrated that um, the the accused gaurav sharma is a distant relative of theirs and she was talking to him almost like a brother he is not from the village he lives a little away and uh, his aunt and uncle live in the village that they do so he come he used to come and visit and that's when he saw nisha and they started talking but uh, she always said she said that she always spoke to him as an elder brother but he started uh, i guess developed some sort of feelings for her wanted to get married to her and she refused and her father said no to him and since then he'd been very angry and uh, she also said that uh, whenever he would catch her alone or see her outside she, she he would sort of make comments and try and make her feel very uncomfortable and she said i never spoke about it because of social stigma uh but one fine day in july 2018 he entered their house when nobody was there except her and she was studying and he she said that and this she's also written in the fir that she gave then that he uh came in sort of grabbed her tried to push her onto the bed and then uh, strangulated attempted to strangulate her and held her by the throat and then she yelled out for help managed to uh, yell loud enough for people to gather and uh, she filed an fir and then gaurav sharma was arrested for trespassing assault and criminal intimidation but he was of course released uh, on bail in a matter of one month and uh, in 2019 he's he got married and had a child but he'd uh, he'd been continuing to harass nisha and her family and this time with the added uh, harassment of threatening to kill them so he'd been making these threats for the for a while which is why she said that when um, the threat was made again on the morning of march 1st uh, they didn't in- immediately take it very seriously uh so with the continued threatening on march 1st basically she and her mom had gone to a temple close by which is just a few meters outside of their house and there they bumped into gaurav sharma's uh, wife uh, aunt and two of his cousins um and she said that whenever they would bump into each other the wife would sort of start yelling at them and swearing at them and that the same thing happened and then nisha said they didn't say anything they went back to the potato field where their father was working and gaurav sharma's wife and uh, uh, relatives followed them and continued to make these comments which is when the father sort of came and tried to interfere and immediately the wife started saying that i'll call my husband and he can do this to you in a matter of few minutes and do that to you and then nisha said they all came home and father sort of comforted her and said you know don't pay much attention it's fine uh but for some reason she said that she did call the police and when she called them the police one of the police officials she spoke to said that my vehicle will not be able to come immediately or it might take some time so i suggest you call uh, the number 112 if something happens and then by 3:30 she said she and her mom had gone to the field to give food to the fa- to their father and uh, they were just sitting together then that's when gaurav sharma and uh, four other four to five other men had come along with him in a white car and as they moved towards them apparently gaurav sharma and the she writes in her fir uh, had 
had started telling her father that ask your daughter to take a decision or ask her to take back the case. But before her father could respond, he um, shot him twice on both feet and then on uh, his chest and then on his uh, on the temple area of his forehead. And the father was, uh, he died on the spot. And then they took him to the Bagla district hospital and he was declared brought dead. Uh, so that's that's the narration of what happened. And this is what Nisha told us. But in the village, Gaurav apparently has a history of, or at least one person described him as a dabang type ka admita, and he was very, uh, he would in general threaten people, and he was quite an aggressive person around the village. But, uh, and that's that's sort of what happened on March 1st. So was there a delay in uh, response when they reached out uh, for help on 112 helpline? Because... That is one of the flagship uh, schemes uh, by the state government, uh, you know, Mission Shakti, uh, which under which they are trying to create awareness about these helplines. So was there any delay on part of the police in terms of responding to their calls? No, the family didn't term it as a delay. Uh, they said that this had been happening quite regularly. So they'd make these calls and they would tell them that if something happened, let us know. And that's what happened this time as well. I mean, of course, if this man was out on bail, the police should have been far more careful. If they'd already received information that he was threatening a family, he should have just gone back to jail because when you're out on bail, you can't be doing any of this. You can't be tampering with evidence. You can't intimidate witnesses. And that's all part of the deal when you get out on bail. So they should have taken action much, much before uh, because this wasn't the first time that she was making a complaint in the police station. And uh, Chief Minister Adityanath, who is campaigning in Bengal, has uh, directed uh, his officials to invoke NSA in this case. And uh, of course, Nidhi, we have seen that this is this has also been a pattern when, uh, you know, we had gone to Lakhimpur as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can just uh, tell, uh, uh, you know, whether invoking NSA in such cases uh, helps, you know, build uh, the victim's case in any way. I mean, you know, when you ask the victim, they just want justice. And she said, I want capital punishment for them. And I want them to die the way my father died. Of course, she was emotional. Uh, but NSA, we know, is a quite a draconian law. And you just don't use it um, in any manner that you like. And also, if you look at the pattern in which uh, the chief minister has been using this law, uh, it's very strange because actually, it's not so strange. It's very predictable because he did say that we should invoke NSA when it came to uh, rape accused in Lakhimpur Kheri. He did say that in this case. But for some reason, when it's come to the Hathras gang rape, which was, as the charge sheet says, done by four uh, Thakur men who are the same, who belong to the same caste as the chief minister, there's been absolutely no talk of NSA. Uh, so the pattern's a bit uh, ironical and hypocritical when it comes to that. But I, I mean, there's absolutely no research or data to show that, you know, invoking NSA is going to somehow deter um, the rape accused from doing so because... Anyway, gang rape or rape or murder are non-bailable offenses. So I don't understand invoking NSA, what really is the purpose of that? Um, And in fact, um, after the Hathras incident came to light last year, there have uh, been a spate of such crimes being reported from UP. So... uh, uh, and you have also been interacting uh, with the family of uh, Hathras gang rape victim. So Nidhi, uh, what is your sense uh, when it comes to crime against women in UP? Like, 
is there a thing called rape culture is it like a law and order problem or is it something to do with a certain mindset the patriarchal mindset can it be explained can it be uh, simplified i mean i think there's multiple dimensions to it we uh, after the 2012 nirbhaya gang rape there were serious amendments to the anti rape law and the criminal amendment acts that brought into place and uh, i mean in that they made the law very strict they expanded the definition of rape and like we were talking when parikshit and i were sitting and talking they you know because of uh, the fact that pocso has been introduced now you and, and the stringent laws of pocso uh now usually we see that when uh, there is a emerging pattern that when the, when a rape happens usually the uh, victim is killed before she can tell her story before she can leave behind any evidence before you know she can get her story out and that's that's a result of uh, pocso being made so strong that you make sure that the victim doesn't have a chance to give their statement or tell their story so it's sort of wiping away of evidence um in uttar pradesh alone uh you and i we when we went to lakhimpur keri saw that uh, a lot of people spoke about the fact that while there's such a pe- like large penetration of the internet there isn't the equal penetration of education and that and then there's also so much unemployment that there's a lot of time on hands of youth uh to sort of go into all kinds of thoughts and it is a state and a place which is extremely patriarchal i mean we've been interacting with uh, the defense lawyer in the hathras case and it's a story we did as well and uh, their argument is that uh, in the hathras case the four, there are four accused and three of them are related it's two uncles and one uh, uh, nephew and uh, the defense's argument is that uh, there is no way that three men who are related to each other will rape a woman in front of each other that so he says rape happens but not in front of your relatives and we know that you know this has happened in katua this has happened in nirbhaya case that the accused were all um, related and it's even just such a banal argument to make but clearly these kind of statements seem to be working in the court and they even see i mean you know the uh, hathras victims lawyer was saying that how can even such a statement be allowed in court it should be considered as contempt of court because it goes against uh, the what the constitution says about equal rights and about e- about equal respect to people and um, this is offensive to women because we have seen that this is not the truth and they should be tried for contempt of court because you can't allow such statements to fly anymore and we know that they they have no it's it that is completely baseless uh so there's so many so many different factors i think there's a general sense of um impunity that certain you can get away with a certain kind of crimes especially if you belong to certain kind of castes um and something that we we are noticing even in the hathras case as we follow it is that uh somehow people are more comforted by and and uh, believe the fact that this is an honor killing more than it's a rape uh and they somehow seek some sort of solace from that because i've spoken to women in the village asking them if they feel unsafe uh knowing that a gang rape happened in such a small village of theirs and they said no we're not we're not scared because it was just an honor killing and it's not a rape and it's a little ironic when you hear that and it's almost really scary to hear that uh, that women would be okay with that or consider that as normal so there's so many different factors i mean i i'm i don't know how to pinpoint one single reason as to why there's so much so much of crime against women okay uh, thank you nidhi for sharing those uh, updates with us you can watch uh, nidhi's ground report from hathras on our youtube channel
and her text piece will also be up on our website soon so you can read her story uh, there as she continues to track the case and will be bringing more updates uh, to you in this uh, case that brings us to our last segment on this podcast where we recommend a video a documentary a book for our listeners so my pick for this week is um i just started watching firefly lane on netflix it's a story of two friends who stick around with each other for good uh, two to three decades uh, and i mean i i've just started watching it kind of like it as well uh, in case you want to give it a try you can watch firefly lane and there's a 2012 uh, series on photography by vice uh, called entering new worlds through photography where they have interviewed uh, different photographers and uh, i mean they describe how you know they try and capture a moment and let the photograph tell the story so i found it quite interesting i just stumbled on it on youtube so in case uh, you are interested in photography you can check out the series and their interviews with different photographers across different countries so srishti uh, what would be your uh, recommendation uh, for our listeners so one of the book that really helped me to sail through that uh, traumatic time when i was being trolled and uh, there was a lot of turbulence in my own personal life and uh, otherwise also was a book by hisham matar the return so this book is actually uh, about a father a son and the land between them so uh, you know during the prominent political uh, descent in the gaddafi regime uh, hisham matar's father was imprisoned and they had to flee libya so the story is a, a return of hisham matar along with his wife and mother to their motherland and how they came back so in this particular story in a very beautiful way uh, matar actually explains that uh, what is the cost of political dissent for the family of the people so his father was the political dissenter he was the one who was imprisoned but uh, hisham had to have his dinners alone there was no father for him at that time there was nobody uh, who could support during his crucial years he had to stay abroad flee from the uh, gaddafi regime because otherwise their own family would be imprisoned the way uh, dissent is treated right now this is one book that i would highly recommend people to read especially uh, with the current socio political situation which is there in india it's a must read and it's written so beautifully the writing style is so beautiful that you should really read it, it you will feel this book and the second book that i would recommend it's called the 40 rules of love it's such a beautiful book it actually discusses the mundane life of a a housewife who has everything you know she has a husband three teenage children and a pleasant home yet she is so empty because there's no love and then she starts reading a manuscript about uh, a sufi poet rumi and shams of tarbiz and how uh, his 40 rules of love and life actually shocks her so the way the parallel is created between these two i i really love it and uh, so whomsoever is actually looking for some inspiration in life i think this book is for them so that would be my recommendation uh nidhi what would be your pick for this week 
Uh, I actually listened to a really interesting podcast after a very long time that I felt hooked to. Uh, this is by the serial. Uh, it's by the creators of This American Life. Uh, it's about the, it's the story of Bo Bergdahl, who was a soldier, uh, an American soldier who actually left voluntarily, walked out of his uh, posting area in Afghanistan in two thousand nine, and then he was held captive by the Taliban for five years. um and then you would expect that usually when a, a us soldier returns there's a huge homecoming and there's a huge welcome uh, sort of ceremony for him but instead bagdal was immediately tried for uh, dishonorable discharge you know and he was he was put on the stand because they said uh, they questioned him on walking away and this podcast actually is not so much looking at the facts of the case but sort of who bagdal is and why he chose to walk away so they he has these really extended conversations with uh, a filmmaker called mark who also made films like zero dark 30 and uh, they have these really hours of conversations just about uh, who he is what life on camp was like why he chose to leave what his relationship with the taliban was like how he sort of lived his five years and the relationships he made with people and what that sort of shaped him to be and finally of course his own release and and how it happened um but it's very captivating and well well um uh, really well structured podcast and i'm i'm absolutely in love with the host of the podcast and she's she has this amazing ability to be such a great listener and a beautiful host when she's talking to these characters and and going through such intense emotions so i would definitely recommend that podcast i was completely hooked to it okay um on that note thank you srishti and nidhi for joining us and sharing your views uh, with our listeners we really missed girish and i hope he can join us as well sometime in future on another fantastic piece of investigation also listeners if you want to give us feedback you can rate our podcast on itunes stitcher or whatever platform you are tuned into we also have a bunch of other podcasts like hafta and awful and awesome better the rating more the reach and that means more subscribers and that in turn means better journalism so if you are listening to this podcast on platforms like stitcher apple podcast uh, or any other podcast platform please know that news laundry now has its own podcast player which you can find on our website newslaundry.com uh, apart from podcasts we also do a lot of ground reports media reports interviews uh, and nl sena projects which are special investigative projects you can find all of that on www.newslaundry.com please write to us at contact@newslaundry.com with reporters without orders in the subject line you can also leave your comments on twitter and with that this podcast is adjourned thank you all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.